Conversations with Pioneers, hosted by Refulue Tobeja. She's a go-getter. What I want to know is, what's the number one criteria you looked for in proposals and requests for funding? Resilient, without a doubt. If your actions inspire others to dream more, learn more, do more, and become more, you're a leader. Intelligent, most definitely a thinker. She sets the pace. Welcome to yet another episode of Conversations with Pioneers, and I'm your host, Rifule Tobeja. Thanks for tuning in. You find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Deezer, Castro, Player FM, and others. And my guest today is no stranger to Conversations with Pioneers. We've had her before on season one, and she's back. Rabet Molapo is a speaker, mindset architect, facilitator, and entrepreneur. She is founding director of Young Earth and the managing director of Real Construction and Developers Consulting. Welcome back, Rabbit. Thank you, Rafiwe. Thank you. Thank you. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm also good, thank you. A little bit of a fever here and there. But oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> is it that new variant? No, I hope not. No, it's not. Yo, we no. pray not, eh? Mm, I don't think it is. So, Ria, I see you giving a lot of talks lately. What What have you been up to? No, I think it looks like I'm giving a lot of talks, seeming only because I just kind of finished with my postgrad. So all along, you know, I've, I was kind of focused on the academics and kind of put a lot of things on hold. But, you know, I've been on some talks here and there. In my view, would be what would be normal programming for me. But mm. as I said, because, yeah, I know it was a rough road there by academia. But it's pants down now. So, um, <laughs> so now I get to kind of, you know, full force focus on what really I'm here to do. And implement, and- I guess, the stuff that I've learned, right? Mm, mm. And that's what we're going to talk about today. But firstly, would you like to reflect briefly on the event you attended on Saturday? Okay, so that event was organized by the Black Management Forum. Basically, mm-hmm. they had the guest who was May Zanelembeki, just basically graced by her to kind of give nuggets of wisdom to multi-generations of women. So it was kind of literally structured for women, young and old. So we even had like teenagers from high school, young professionals, females within the varsity space and older, you know, professionals. Bele, I guess she was the oldest guest. But just mm-hmm. that that being in a room of different generations of women, well, actually, there were different races, but just mm-hmm. being in a room of, of that where there's different levels of wisdom or knowledge and experience uh, being shared. And like, I think some, something that I mentioned to you that, that they kind of touched on that kind of evoked my own mind and, and, and brought in questions of concept of Mbogoto and the whole concept of mm-hmm. black girl magic, right? Mm-hmm. And the notion of, you know, black girls having to break glass ceilings and... Mm-hmm. It's as if you get born and already just by you being a particular gender, there's already pressure for you to do something. And is there that, you know, why should that happen? Uh, Do we put the pressure on ourselves? Is it a societal pressure? 
And that, how does that then translate or relate to things like burnout, things like mental health? Because mm. we, we get pushed to, you have to excel, you have to do this because it's equality now. you um, And so then it, it brings in the question of, but now at what cost? Who you strike cost. a woman, you strike a rock. Women are not yeah. rocks. We're not rocks. We hundred percent. We we hurt. You strike a woman, you hurt her. Period. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. So it just brings on just other elements. That was just one part of the you know other elements that that were. It was basically a roundtable discussion. Um, mm. Anything went. We spoke about why certain high schools there's no sporting facilities it was a very vast and open discussion and, and wholesome i think as well and which is something that we we scarcely get in some of these events because you have to be propped up and you know mm. prim and proper and know your story and articulate and whatnot but it was literally just the place where we're all of the same gender and we're just talking about things that questions about things that we're facing, be it within the professional space, be it within the religious space, uh, academia, whatever. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. Moving along, Young Earth provides business support services and business development advisory to SME startups and scale-ups. So Ria, can you give us an, uh, an example of a success story of a business you've assisted? Um, Yang is shifted from being just about giving motivational talks to mm. young people in high schools, etc., uh, and even uh, colleges, to now being looking at a need that is there. A lot of people either want to start their own small businesses, uh, already have started, and want to now either improve on uh, or mm -hmm. escalate. And sometimes you find that they need to tap into things like funding, right? And now yeah. when it comes to things like funding, we speak about things of compliance. And, you know, not only are you registered, but do you have something in document format? And that's yeah. just the one aspect of it, right? So do you have something in document form so that whoever that your funder could potentially be, they'll be able to assist and analyze if your business is viable or feasible, right? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. we've been able to, to assist quite a number of enterprises in that respect. Some of them, you find that they are applying to institutions such as CEDA, NEF, uh, DTI. Mm -hmm. And yeah, they, they would come back and say, yeah, no, uh, we've been able to get uh, either grant funding of this amount. Others have been able to get some from like your NYDAs as well. Uh, mm -hmm. those vouchers that, that are given out. So we do have, you know, some entities that we've been able to assist. Others, they use those documents for like tendering processes. So, yeah. Amazing. Tell me, why are you so passionate about people management and human development? Hey, dude, <laughs> I think it's a layered answer. <laughs> Look, because of, of my faith, I believe there's a scripture of my people perish because of lack of knowledge, right? Mm. And so we're looking at the demographic that we find ourselves in, which is the African continent. And fine, looking back at history, we understand well where we are because of things like colonization. But then now our bodies were enslaved, but that didn't stop our ancestors from ideating. I think if you look at some of these brilliant concepts like Borlexa, some even Botswana, they were they were created by Black African Americans mm -hmm. or Africans mm -hmm. because they originate from Africa. So you go and you you check at the origination of most of what society would call things of civilization, mm -hmm. even med medicine on its own, it originated in Africa. Now, when you look at that, and then you look at the gap of it's either people don't believe in themselves that they could actually ideate, innovate, or do something. And mm -hmm. so because of that, you kind of want to bridge that gap and bridge 
the mindset gap. Hence, you know, mindset architects, where you're helping to build people's mindsets and people's perspective Mm -hmm. that they can do things, that they can ideate, that they can innovate and implement. Because also Mm -hmm. another challenge would be that we're very good with coming up with ideas and concepts, but are we good at following through? And that's Mm. literally where the change is. And that's where coming up with solutions, either A, for profit, or B, just to literally help the society become a better place. I mean, we've got so much poverty around. What's the cause of poverty? Yes, it could be systematized. We get that. We understand that. But you read about stories and you you research about people who provided solutions in the most remote areas. You then realize that that's because those people had a particular mindset that they had. And so that's why I'm I'm in the business of building people. And hence we are constructing here. Yeah. Amazing stuff. You know, this I, I love that you 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 also you spoke about innovation and, and implementing because that was going to be my next question, which is around just influencing the trajectory of innovation to contribute towards driving social progression. I mean, you've answered that already. Oh, do you want to elaborate on that before we move on? We yeah, I think I covered it. It's just you mm. look at, you know, some of these stories of Bospinish King, for example. The guy started literally in a humble and even his original concept and what it's translated to now and the need that it's filling in now is not only completely different but now he's been able to take what he thought was just a charitable idea that you know mm-hmm. i just want my people in kailicha to be nutritious and the oh. easiest plant that would have been planted was spinach at the time oh. and oh. all he did was knock on people's doors boom boom that couldn't you know get to shops to say hi bokoko Nay, I've got a spinach, uh, whatever, how much money he was selling it for. And that that later evolved to how can, you know, I now, and that then brings in the elements of agriculture and then agro-processing because he just mm. shifted from selling the actual plant to then let's, let's now add value to this product. It's either let's turn mm. it into a smoothie, it's either let's turn it into loaves of bread and even his business model and the way that you look at it and the people that he's been able to develop because now that he's now, you know, got to a place where he was baking spinach bread, he needed to capacitate the local youth to know how to use equipment and how to oh. bake, etc. And that mm-hmm. then expanded into now what it is, which is a restaurant and a franchise. And so if we then you know, looked at that one element. Imagine mm. if that was multiplied with whatever solutions that you come up with. Mm. Ultimately, you'd not only be eradicating issues of ill health, but you'd also be assisting with things like employment. I think I need the contact details of this guy, Rhea. Can you make it happen? I will, I will sort you out, sweetheart. <laughs> oh, he was I'm a case heavy. study for us for our course, but I will sort oh, you out. I've got, I've got, awesome. Yeah. I'd love to have him on the show. I'd love to have him on Definitely. the show. Now, let's talk about building a business versus building a brand among young people today. And how do we strike a balance? Yo, that's a tough one because I think we're looking at, you know, we're in a generation where everything is about looks, right? I need to look the part. I don't know about the term faking it till you make it, um, but it's pretty much similar. (laughs) <laughs> um, but we've, we've been focusing a lot as young people on looking the parts, you know, do mm-hmm. I look like a consultant? And the question would be, no, first of all, are you consulting? You know, are you, are you, are you helping people? Are you doing the actual business? Or are you just about um, taking pictures? I'm going to seminars, I'm attending seminars and I'm taking yeah. pictures with Bozmang Mang, you know, so I look like I am part of the gang or I'm amidst a respectable individual, therefore respect me. 
because mm. of that whole notion of your network is your net worth. But what mm. what does network also mean? For me, sometimes my network aren't necessarily people in the in the forefront. They they're doing great stuff, but they're very much hidden and they don't want mm. to be seen. Mm. Um, mm. So now comes in the element of people that are making noises, but you find that they're not actually there's no business behind it. We out here looking like we are, but are we getting mm-hmm. the sales in? Am I bagging mm-hmm. the client in? And and that then becomes a question, Yahori. Okay, that's great that we are focusing on building brands and we're on Instagram and everything. But behind the scenes, is my business, is it viable? Firstly, does it have clients? Does it have sales? You know, at the end of the month, am I able to say, okay, I've, I've helped this, this, this business and I've invoiced that? Or are we just in the business of as long as I look like, as long as I... I'm at the right places, but are you translating that into financial gain? You know, is it sustainable, this notion of selling yes. a persona or a so-called brand? Yes. How long can you keep it up for? And which is nothing. Uh, we've seen people who've been able to capitalize on that, let's say for a couple of months, and use that to turn that into businesses or to, you know, to shift that into a viable business. But is it really tangible? Is it really sustainable? Is it something that you can see yourself doing for the next 20, 30, 40 years? That was going to be my next question. Okay. Is, it, is, it, is it a sustainable career? You know, this whole mm. entire uh, psychology of influencing, how, mm. how I'm in such a big thing right now and why is it so attractive to young people today? I mean, my previous guest we spoke about stem science mm. technology engineering and mathematics and mm. i've spoken to people in the art spaces i've spoken mm. to people into business spaces but such careers a business arts engineering are they still attractive or people are now young people is it the easy way out basically i think let me ask it that way is it the easy way out why is it so attractive for young people to want to be just these social media influencers social media this not that we're looking down upon that but i'm just asking Mm -hmm. is it sustainable in the long term it's a complex question that you're asking because for some we see that it looks like it's working But then again, have we spent time to ask those people what actually are they selling? Because like at the end of the day, people are saying that they're selling feeling, they're selling emotion, which is true. But that's our feelings sustainable because now if let's say we tap into the psyche of of humans, we all go, we're always going up and down, right? You can't be always happy. Like that's like a fact. And so are we chasing, like, is it some form of drug for us? Is it some form of high? that we're in a constant state of fake happiness. Or I think we had that conversation earlier that remember what they're selling is what they would call content. And you have to plan around that content. So the question would be, is that happiness genuine or is it curated? Huh. Is it curated or is it genuine? I don't know if you know about the story of this big influencer from, I think from the US. She had over a million followers on Instagram, but she had to sell t-shirts and no one bought the t-shirts. Not even She didn't even sell one from a million followers. So you, I, I don't understand how this thing works. Maybe one time I must mm. have an influencer, a top influencer. No, I think so. I really think to, you need to, to get an influencer. They must call you, <laughs> you know, to tell us how does this business actually work? Because, mm. I mean, it's one thing for me to get beauty products in the post, uh, to get them delivered to my doorstep and for me to use that. And then to say, hi, guys, this thing is working. My skin is now what, what, you know, my skin is brighter and whatever. Either A, am I getting income from that, you know, 
mm. or is it just I'm getting those three products and does it actually work or am I telling people lies so that they can you know that it's sort of like its own little <laughs> dark world <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. Now let's go back to 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 what you know best, to what you do best. Uh, as someone who works a lot with SMMEs, name one truth, one lie, and one myth when it comes to establishing a business. I love playing these games with you. <laughs> <laughs> you just put me in the fire, guys. Yo, guys, one truth. I think, yeah, in, in terms of establishing a business, and it might link into the lie part. I think a lot of the times people check out of their nine to fives, right? Believing that, let's say they started a side hustle and they check out of their nine to five to focus on the hustle because they're saying, I want flexibility. I want to be able to own my time. Entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. it's no such thing. There's a point where you could, you know, own your time, but you're going with demand. If, if more clients are demanding your service or your product, you go with that. Obviously, mm-hmm. as time goes, you capacitate yourself and get people to help you and have employees, etc. But you never clock out. You're always on 24-7 in a way. Mm-hmm. And you're always trying to make your product or your service better. You're always mm-hmm. thinking, even all robots, you're trying to be like, oh my gosh, I made a mistake here. I need to sort that out. Or mm-hmm. if let's say the systems, the how hadi smooth just that that process of a client calls in they need something or they they contact you and you need to respond back and you find that maybe that doesn't maybe like that gap there's something Mm -hmm. wrong you're responding slow and you're like oh i need to fix that so you're always trying to find spots to fix or something to do so it's sort of like i'll answer maybe those two questions in one Mm -hmm. um truth Mm -hmm. and lie and what was the other one the myth the myth um sure guys (laughs) <laughs> I think I said this to the group of people that I spoke to during the week. People were like saying the moment they think about entrepreneurship, they like lots of money. And I'm like, that's actually where mm. <laughs> Yeah, guys, like let me just be honest with that. I wouldn't say that that's the same for everyone, but it has its ups and downs. And mm. I think one needs to be able to capacitate themselves for that. Financial planning is quite important as an entrepreneur. I'll just say that. So in the apps, for example, how do you make sure that it will be able to balance out when you're low so that it's not like one day I've got money, the next day yeah, you've got nothing because that mm. is the truth of the entrepreneurial road. Mm. And behind the scenes, we also touched on pushing passion versus finding a job. I mean, what advice do you have for someone who wants to push their passion, but you know, their bills at the end of the month to be paid? How do we mm. win when it comes to doing what needs to be done for the bills to provide for our families? But also there's this thing that I'm passionate about, mm. you know? Mm. Yeah, it's a really tough one that I find a lot of, and it, it, it also then taps into, you know, people in the creative industry, for example, right? Mm. So you are in this industry because you're passionate about the arts. You're a musician, you're an artist, a painter, fine artist, whatever you call it. It's your passion, mm. right? But then there's those times where there's no money. You've, you've made like 10 paintings. They're sitting at home for over a year. No one's buying it. But then you've got bills every single day. You're breathing. The fact that you're breathing. We we're using dancers now, oxygen also, you know. So it's literally shifted uh, in, the, in the Maslow's hierarchy. <laughs> it's there now. It's not even a joke. Um, it's, it's there with water and air, you know. So as a basic human need and requirement, and, and funny enough, we'll, later on, whenever, we'll discuss on this thing of Africa and South Africa not having enough infrastructure, you know, for this, mm. because now it's literally becoming a basic need. But going back to answering your question, to say, how do you balance it? I, I honestly don't think, you know, 
there's a, a right out one way of doing it, but I think it's important to plan. And I think it's important to find out how we professionalize um, exactly. the art. Mm. So I was going to say, how do we businessalize the art? Well, I think we need to create a seminar for that. How do we businessalize the art? <laughs> um, <laughs> which, which is key, which is key and important with anything and everything. Structure is important. Operational strategy. And this is why we do what we're doing. We're then helping mm. you to, to iron out those little cranks. Nyana. Rabbit, yes. I think create not only a, a seminar, but a module around how to bring that professionalism and structure and, and building models in the creative spaces, in the artistic spaces. How do I take this and polish it and sell it and make it yeah. sustain me? How do I make it work for me? We, we need to understand that we're humans, right? And as humans, mm -hmm. we are creators. So creativity and art link with one another. Mm -hmm. However, there are human beings that are more, you know, the whole left brain, right brain element. So mm -hmm. there are human beings who are more, you know, artistic in channeling their creativity. Others channel their creativity through engineering, through analysis. Mm -hmm. However, we are all creators in our rights as human beings exactly. in general. Mm -hmm. But we all then channel it using different ways and we all feed on one another using that interlink yeah we all need to figure out how to interlink and how to help one another out because some people are just on the extreme sides of spectrums and and we literally could be able to assist one another and mm -hmm. the business people need to then help how to package this artwork how to package this music the drama and as i said i mean if nfts are the thing i literally believe that that's what's going to lift out and um, decolonize i don't have to um, only be in new york to produce the best artwork i can be from kurman i can be from um, rampashele in lumpopo and be able to sell my artwork internationally you keep on mentioning this NFTs just for somebody who doesn't know what is it. Let's say you've got a piece of artwork and you you take a picture of it. It's it's an element of using a blockchain and and mm -hmm. being able to publicize your work out there and be able to get returns of it financially. The more mm -hmm. it's used, the more money you'll be able to clock in. So, Rebecca, do you think we have enough role models in our society, in our communities? And what makes a good role model? Is it safe to look to celebrities and idolize them as young people, make them our role models? I talk to you about issues of, of young people because you are the millennial consultant guru. This whole role model thing, we've got more than enough role models. Also, something a part of the discussion that we had Saturday was exactly that, is that that's the, we're looking at people that we don't even know as role models. We're looking at a picture. A person takes a picture and jiggy jiggy, oh. that's how I model my life. That's how I oh. model my behavior. Literally just from a picture. It's not even moving. It's not a moving picture. It's just like a stagnant picture. And jiggy, jiggy, I want to be that. I want to be like that. And yet we've got people that we live with. We've got people that surround us, that we are able to tap into their energy. We're able to tap into their intellect. We're able to tap into their character, their behaviors. And those automatically influence how we view life. They filter us. They kind of build like a worldview of, you know, what's important, what's not important. They help us shape certain concepts. And we're looking so much on the outside and not looking at what's really close within our closest range. And mm. maybe this is why our society is going through what it's going through right now, because we're not able to see what's right in front of us. And mm. we're looking at things that are outside and we're not even sure how truthful what we're seeing 
And so we're modeling our society, we're modeling the world, we're modeling everything on just surface and fakeness. Huh. They want that world to be real in their lives and it's not. And there's that gap then that happens. And that's why we're hitting so much depression, so much mental health issues, because we're like, how come I'm struggling here where I am and everybody else seems like they're doing fine. Meanwhile, in the backyard, people are just taking a trip to the airport, taking a picture and coming back home. Yeah. I, I wanted to pause that a little bit to just let it sink in. I think it has sunk in. But um, as we are about to reach the end of this conversation, you know, a talk with rabbits would not be complete without talking about the 4IR. Since the last time we spoke until now, where are we winning and where are we still losing? Sure. I'll put it in the context of Africa. I think Africa is beginning to, to see and, and to start winning. Um, I'm also starting to read a little bit more articles of young Africans that are coming mm. up with solutions using technology. So mm. it's either they come up with new technologies or they are using technology to bring in those solutions, right? And mm. I honestly think that when it comes to Africa in comparison with all the other continents, this literally could be or is our equalizer if we mm. know how to use it well. However, I'm seeing that countries in the African continent in South Africa are capitalizing on it. Somehow I'm not seeing South Africa really pushing as much as it could. Mm. It's either it goes back to something that we spoke about off, off air about infrastructure. Mm-hmm. I mean, how do I solve a solution using technology when I don't even have access to it? Mm. Right? Yeah. So we then yeah. need to look at the majority of the population where they reside and is there Wi-Fi in those areas? You you know? Know, do they have connectivity? Just the basic Wi-Fi. How is that child going to solve a water problem? crisis problem if they don't have access to wi-fi and affordable data affordable, affordable. data yes and i remember do you remember i'm sure you do when hard lockdown was announced and we saw pictures on social media of students in villages studying on a mm. rock or, or, or submitting an assignment not on a rock on a little mountain on a hill and on a copy submitting an assignment struggling with with network because these people were sent home because yeah hard lockdown so you mm. and assignments were were submitted late so you still see Hori, when it comes to technology not technology at that high end but basic yes. Just at the basic level. Basic basic level, internet, data, Wi-Fi, connectivity as a belief before it. I mean, mean, we can't do this call now without connectivity, right? We can't. Um, You can't. And it's expensive. Exactly. And as I said, within the African continent, South Africa is one of the higher ones. How come other countries are able to have affordable data? There's so many questions that one ends up having. You know, how come there by Rwanda, like young people are busy proposing and they're coming up with solutions using technology? They've got satellites. Also, why are we having the issue or the discussion of fiber when there's satellites already? Why don't we have that? What's going on? What's what's staggering the process? Um, why do you want the entire population, these millennials, um, that are so hungry to make change? I think one of the things that I found in my research about millennials and this is inclusive of uh, the generation y as well as the generation z so the generation y i would assume is you and myself refueling that the typical millennials and then the gen y's are like the tiktokers the ones that are like still in high school now still in varsity that's the bulk of the population worldwide mm-hmm. and the bulk of the population africa-wide and the bulk of the population south africa-wide so about 60 to 70 percent of the population is these people huh right? And they live on data. They live on connectivity. Why are you not making that happen? 
100%. Rhea, how do we get in touch with you? I am on social media platforms on Twitter, at Rhea Molapo. On mm-hmm. Instagram, it's at Rhea Molapo. And on Facebook, it is Rhea Betwe Molapo. Yeah, email. Uh, they can email our company as well at yunghierz at gmail.com for any queries or questions. Perhaps we might be able to plug them to other people that might assist them. So yeah, we're just an open channel wanting to, as we said, develop and construct human beings. Mm-hmm. And your website? Oh, yes. The website, If, But that's literally for the business solutions um, mm-hmm. platform. If I'm required or needed for speaking engagements, I've got my own personal website, which is www.reabetsumolapo.co.za. Reabetsumolapo, continue to do what you do best. Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Have a lovely one. Sure, sure. Thank you for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it. Let's keep the conversation going in the socials. Hashtag conversations with pioneers. Find me on my Facebook page, Refile Tobeja, on Twitter and Instagram at Refile Tobeja. And on LinkedIn, I am Refile Tato Tobeja. Join us again next time when we level up, level up with yet another pioneer. Salute. Conversations with Pioneers, hosted by Refile Tobeja.